Trash, The Final Frontier. Welcome to the bridge of the Starship Hag for Strange New Pods, a podcast miniseries covering strange new worlds. I'm your captain, Justin, and joining me on our away mission, or I guess we should say landing party now because that's what the, the term they're using. Um, joining me on our landing party are my science officer, Anna, and xenoanthropologist, Jude. Jude, Anna, how you doing? It's been a hot minute since we recorded anything. Yeah. This feels good. This feels good, friends. Uh, yeah, I am choosing to record this even though I need to be awake in a distressingly small number of hours uh, to, to get on a plane uh, to go to a wedding. I, I'm going to be up at 430 in the goddamn morning, but I'm still going to do this because I really miss you two. I almost said idiots, but you know what? Let's I don't know if that's normally I would just generally say idiots but i'm not sure nerds seems like the more appropriate label chaos goblins yeah chaos goblins especially with this lineup especially with these episodes boy howdy (laughs) uh let's do it what are we covering tonight um we're covering episode two children of the comet uh, which is written by henry alonzo myers and sarah tarkoff and directed by maya vervilo all right Jude, I believe you have this one. I Take do have the summary. Uh, it seems entirely appropriate to talk about this episode at the top of Pride Month. Between Ortega Streetwear and Cooking Daddy Pike, if you leave this episode without some kind of queer yearning, you've learned a different kind of new thing about yourself. Uh, the episode begins with a dinner party in Pike's quarters where we learn a bit about Uhura's backstory, meet the grumpy psychic chief engineer Hemmer, and lust over the aforementioned Cooking Daddy Pike. After the dinner party, we discover that the comet that they are observing is going to smash into a world inhabited by a pre-warp society. Pike's stage whispered aside to number one that he loves his job after hearing his crew's plan to save the planet before breakfast is terrific and sums up everything I love about Pike and this show. The whole epi- the whole show summed up in one scene right there. I love it. However, all does not go to plan because this is Star Trek. The comet has a shield and some kind of building inside. And not long after, Spock, Mustache Kirk, Uhura, and Sung, Noonien Sung, beam down to investigate. A ship appears, telling the Enterprise to fuck off because the comet is a god, I guess. Shenanigans ensue. Spock tries with varying degrees of success to give pep talks. And Uhuru tries generally, successfully, to figure out the machine inside the comet. Uh, and must and Mustache Kirk tries to get himself killed ahead of schedule. In the end, the comet does not slam into the planet, but rather buzzes the atmosphere like Maverick past the control tower, depositing a life-changing amount of ice onto the formerly desert world. All right, so where do we start with this episode? Uh, I think we have to start with the dinner party, which is... I'm, I'm struggling to say that there is a better 10 minutes of television in the last six months. <laughs> I think that sometimes, like, I think for Star Trek shows, it is very useful to have a, like, recurring social activity that you do on the show with 
Next Generation, it was like poker and 10 forward. Or 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 classical music. Well, not just classical, but or weird music recitals. Yeah, I mean, that that goes in 10 forward as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in DS9, um, you had like Quarks and you had like Cisco, our, 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 uh, another cooking king. Yep. <laughs> um, Voyager, you had the mess hall. <laughs> even even Enterprise had movie night. Yeah, Enterprise had movie night, and like, and they, they, they would also do like meals, like meal time, like there. I think what I'm just like saying is that like what this scene does for like showing, I it's a fun thing because it's a community activity that doesn't involve work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's still and it has all the cast mingling together in something outside of their normal. Uh, duties it's very fun yeah and it, it gives you it gives a lot of opportunity for like low stakes character development and it's like the characters are all getting to know each other organically and so mm-hmm. we are getting mm-hmm. to observe on that process you know as they're comfortable or in her case maybe not that comfortable yeah i love so much about this scene uhuru showing up in dress uniform and Ortega, like, showing up in her street clothes. And then the door opens and Pike, his reaction, he doesn't even say anything. He just does the, like, <laughs> like, the, it's not even a, it's not even a chuckle. It's just, he just recognizes that Uhura got conned and just doesn't put her on the spot, doesn't embarrass her, just, just a smile to recognize it and then moves on is yeah. so good. It's such a perfect reaction. I just adore it. But I want to go back to uh, your your mentioning Uhuru rem- reminded me of that. But I want to go back. Uhuru, which is very funny. I can't that just shows- yeah my my uh, one shot brain Uhura. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to this. Amazing- I just want to save myself. I, if we're doing a Star Trek series, I know what angry Trekkies in my mentions. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to this amazing quote I found from Akiva Goldsman. Uh, There's not much that we really know about Captain Pike. We started talking about what kind of leader Captain Pike was. And just getting to know Anson, he gets the group together. He's a leader. And we started talking about how Anson leads and how he likes to create consensus and how he likes to do that over a table. And we started and we suddenly started redesigning Captain Pike's quarters to do to be around a table, to let it be a place where Someone can cook for the people who are his crew. That the way to understand how Pike leads is to see Pike's heart, which is his, which is Pike's kitchen. They redesigned his quarters, and this episode came out of that redesign after meeting Anson Mount and spending time with Anson Mount on the bridge, because all the cast said that the episodes filming on the bridge, which was one of the few places during COVID, where they got to actually hang out, because they weren't mm-hmm. allowed to like socialize off the bridge because of COVID restrictions, Anson Mount would bring a boombox and music and would like (laughs) bond with the crew on set, but he loved to have a table so he could like gather people around a table and bond with them around a table. So they redesigned his quarter set to have like a kitchen in it because they felt like that was the energy that they wanted Pike to have based on interacting with Anson Mount. And I think that's that's wonderful. Yes, I think it's wonderful. That's exactly the right word. Yeah. And it's it's such a nice thread, too, after the first episode where he's cooking for his uh, 
fuck romantic buddy? partner. Yes. I think fuck buddy's the right term for it. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that he, you know, cooks her cooks her pancakes. Yeah. It's it's nice. It's it's, you know, it really that was one of my favorite parts about Cisco. Um is that he had that aspect of like ship dad and that he was comfortable in that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And seeing that again feels good. Yeah. I also want to jump onto our first our first speaking appearance of I mean, he might be my favorite character on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am such a mark for Andorians that this isn't even funny anymore. <laughs> He's so good. I especially like we've we're we're ahead in episodes. We've seen up through episode four now, and we're recording back. We've seen more of Hemmer now, and we've seen that he can do more than Grumpy. But boy, does he do Grumpy well! Yeah, like it's nice to know that he's not going to be pigeonholed into just like Grumpy Cranky Potamus, but he he nails it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's also worth pointing out. A really cool thing we learned after this episode aired that uh, the actor who portrays Hemmer, who is uh, uh, Bruce Horick, Bruce Horick, uh, Hemmer is a uh, I can't remember the name of his version of Andorians, the subspecies of. I'm sorry, we're gonna I, I get to I get to crack this out. So uh, Hemmer is a member of the Enar, who are uh, I'd almost say like a. They're almost like albino Andorians, but they are um, they're a breakaway society from Andorians that were in hiding until like the 22nd century during Enterprise's fourth season. Um, they're extremely pacifist as well as well as because they basically lived like even deeper underground than like regular Andorians. They've lost a lot of like their sight. But instead, they have compensated senses because it's a science fiction franchise, and you have to do that, I guess. And they are also psychic. Yeah. But I think one super cool thing is that the actor who plays Hemmer is himself uh, completely blind in one eye and almost entirely blind in the other, mm-hmm. which yeah. is super dope uh, representation in the actor. Um, yeah. That is something that they would 100% not have done even a few years ago. They would not have bothered with. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a really cool, um, like, and, and Bruce Horak, uh, from, I just like lo- looking at, looking into him, he uh, appeared on a episode of Warehouse 13, but he also was uh, in Evil Dead the Musical, which <laughs> I love. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that was a thing that existed, but cool uh but yeah hammer's fantastic and the scene where he and spock are like tag team messing with uhura and then she like throws andorian and then klingon or not klingon and then um vulcan at them both in rapid succession and then stomps off to go get a drink and hammer's like i like her yeah because at that point she's like okay this is like round three of hazing today i am done with this (laughs) so good i really do think that like on a small ship like that any new person is just going to go through like accelerated like okay we've got to get we all have jokes that we have to use on you because we because we 
we've all been stuck on this ship for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, those scenes do cover such a lot, such a large amount of ground in terms of like characterizations. We've got Ortegas in her streetwear, and which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Uhura saying, you know, not just her backstory, but the that she describes herself as being unburdened by conversational boundaries, which is just a wonderful way to describe oneself. Yeah, I love that line. Her her interactions with everybody and everybody's interactions with each other are just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's extremely good. I love the like look of the people in that scene. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know how in TNG, everybody looked like they had one outfit yeah. and <laughs> there's such a great like variety of style and individuality. Like Chapel looks like Chapel, and like Ortega's definitely has. I mean, Ortega's looks like Ortega's picked out that outfit, and yeah, it it, it feels really, really like organic in that scene. Yeah. And then we have the the more kind of somewhat rigid characters are wearing their uniforms but seem comfortable, yeah, in it. Yeah, I think it's like the and like even stuff like. Chapel's like outfit palette looks like her nurse uniform, but it's still obviously a civilian look. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just smart costuming. Speaking of Chapel, I also like that Chapel is still flirting with Spock. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's just like that's just pure san- pure fan service and I cannot get enough of it. Please. Yeah. Please. I more. mean, yeah, I mean this is this is something that will be carried off into the original series, and frankly don't blame chapel. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's great. I think it's very funny, especially when Uhura is like busting on Spock for it. Yeah. I also like the Uhura's arc in this episode is very fun. We get to fi- we get to find out a little bit about a backstory that she was originally like going to go to uh the University of Nairobi for linguistics and uh, we also learned that, like, that her, part of her background is that she, like, growing up in Kenya, because they have so many languages there, uh, that she learned to speak a lot of them was a, and was a prodigy in that way. And it's Which, at the time of this episode, she speaks 37 languages. Yeah. That's that's wonderful, though. Like, that. Yeah. I love that piece of characterization for her. And it's a really nice piece of world building. And it's a really nice, like, reminder that like the world is very diverse (laughs) yeah i think a problem i have with a lot that i can have with a lot of trek of the 80s and 90s is that the universe can feel very small sometimes and that it doesn't feel like there's anything outside of the federation and starfleet yeah um certain series do much better with that than others Uhura's arc in this episode is about the fact that she is having a, you know, she's having a college. I don't know, like a, a, she's a college, she's a college student, really. Like, that's what she is. She's like postgrad, yeah. but she's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know if I actually want to be in Starfleet. I'm good at this, but I don't know where that is. If I'm, yeah. if this is where I want to be, which is a thing that we can see occasionally in Star Trek, but the, the narrative 
in for like the narrative overarching the show will always be but starfleet is the best option like pike iterates immediately in their conversation at dinner that that he's like i don't like you know like i think we'd be very lucky to have you and the fact that you are here on the flagship is like oh hey that means you're very good at what you do um yeah but this isn't the end all be all and 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 like as your boss basically i want to have i want i want what is actually best for you yeah. which is yeah. a leadership level that is like you know more people you know more people in management roles could stand to be <laughs> like this yeah yeah and it's especially great because because that line at the beginning of the show Pike loves his job. Mm -hmm. Like, he really enjoys being a captain, but he recognizes that it might not be the right place for her. And he and he says, like, if this is the right place for you, we'd be lucky to have you. But we should figure out, you know, we should probably figure that out. Um, I also love his reaction when she says 37. Like, <laughs> she's like. And he says, like, he's like, I heard you, you speak like 12 languages. And she's like, well, 37 actually. And he's like, <laughs> he makes his yeah. face like, fuck me. What? And like the rest of the crew is like, shit. <laughs> yeah. The whole room reacts, but it's, it's very good. Yeah. God, Pike is so on point this whole episode. Uh, I don't know. I can't see in the notes here who, whose notes I'm looking at. Um, somebody makes a comment that like, when the question of like, this planet's under threat comes up. It never even, it's not even mentioned. Like, should we like interfere? Like this planet's going to be wiped out by a comet. Pike's like, well, we've got breakfast in a half an hour. Can we get this done before pancakes? Like he is just like on it. There's never, it never even comes up. The words like prime directive or whatever the fuck they call it before the prime directive. Don't even get uttered. He's just like, we're going to fucking do this. Like get in there. Uh, and I yeah. love that. I love that. So there, there are later treks that like try to do like this thing of like, oh, should we, should we try? Like, is it ethical to save a planet if or is they that don't like have its natural development? Like the, like the notably the one where episode, uh, then one where Data is talking over the ham radio with that kid. Ugh, what a, what an episode! I don't say that. I don't say that positively. Like. And the answer is yes. It is always like you know. It's it is always, always ethical, ethical to, to stop genesis, like to stop uh, like. It is always ethical to stop the destruction of a civilization. I'm just yeah. gonna like you know. It's yeah. like you know. It is the position of this this podcast, who are experts in war crimes, apparently, that it is always preferable to not wipe out a civilization. Yeah, it is always like it is always ethical to stop a nuclear exchange. Yeah, and. <laughs> Certainly Pike would agree with that. Certainly, absolutely Pike would be on board with that statement. Yeah. I'm going to make a bold, sorry, can I jump in and make a bold statement? Pike is the anti-Sheridan in that <laughs> Pike will never commit a war crime. Pike is the anti-war crime captain. They're like on the exact opposite ends of the, of like the same spectrum, which is can be like that spectrum could be called enthusiasm previously unknown to mankind. 
Yes. <laughs> at least when Sheridan's having a good day, at least. Yeah. yeah. Like, they would both be super hyped about an orange, but <laughs> Sheridan would potentially commit a war crime for an orange, and Pike would <laughs> sacrifice himself so that a bunch of kids could have an orange. <laughs> I'm... That is, uh... <laughs> I'm not wrong. I feel like that should go in a tweet. And I'm saying this oh. as someone who genuinely loves Babylon 5. Yeah. But also might love Pike a little bit more. So, like, on the actual problem of this episode, the comment, um, this is a... F- I like that Justin's like, okay, we're done with you. You've you've had your moment with Pike. Let's move on and talk yeah, about we, the we, fucking we've episode. Done, we've done the war crimes talk for this week. Um, uh, now, now that we've talked about Pike, can we talk about Spock and how much I love him? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Everybody gets a turn with their favorite. I love that there is a, the, the part of the problem of this episode is solved by Spock singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is some... Like, this is what Star Trek should be about. <laughs> oh, and it's and it's Spock and Uhura singing together, which is a yeah. thing in TOS. And, like, that's... The, I really love that they've kept that thread of Uhura loving music. Mm-hmm. Because that's a big part of her character in original series. And it's... I love that they've kept that. Yeah, absolutely. And But the... Spock is fantastic. Um, the diction, the mannerisms, like the facial expressions, everything is just on point. The actor's name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck. Yeah. But he, I did not love his Spock in Discovery Season 2, the first half or two thirds of that. But he, he got there. Because towards, he's cuckoo during like well, the first two But I mean, but he was getting there towards the end. But man- he has it dialed the fuck in. It's not. Yeah. It's not quite. Quinto. Uh, no, Quinto never got this good. Um, Nimoy. Carl Urban. It, yeah, it's not Carl Urban Bones good. That was uncanny to a degree that made me feel like they had literally plucked his soul out of the ether and stuffed it into this guy's body. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that uncanny. But it's extremely good, and it's getting and it like it feels like he he like dials it in tighter every episode. It's very good. It's very good. Yeah, and it's it's all of the like little stuff like where he's in the background and just like quirks an eyebrow and smirks by two millimeters. Yeah, his his motivational speech in this episode <laughs> is extremely good and. And then Uhura, like, was that supposed to be a motivational speech? And he's like, yes, I've been working on them. Was it, is it working? Well, like, But then the thing is, is like, he dials it in and like yeah. attempts another one. Yeah, and, it's it's, and, then, and then does better. another one. Yeah. yeah and, it's, and he's very earnest about it. Like, but I just think it's fun. Like his delivery of that first one was extremely Spock. Like it was very good. I, I enjoyed it very much. The actual like mystery of this episode with the comet and everything is also something that I'm like, I really find very fun because it's originally yeah. it's like, oh, hey, there's a mystery. There's a mystery thing on the comet and they go there. They go into like some weird like Cthulhu temple. Yeah. Some weird like egg chamber. It's very strange. Yeah. And I love which reacts they- to music because but they never sure explain what- any of it. Yeah. Which is great. It's I love it's, it. They don't tell you 
like TNG, we would have gotten some like weird alien babble explanation for where it came from and its history and where it was going. In this one, we get nothing. <laughs> we get nothing. Yeah. It's just like, well, there's like a psychic comet that like has an egg on it and might be God. Cool. Yeah. And we get these like weird aliens with highly advanced technology called the shepherds um, who are highly advanced technology, but also they're just like, you know, the comet is God get out of the way of the comet. And, and I love that Pike is just like, what do I do with these assholes? Like, <laughs> what do I do with these guys? Very good. Yeah. Doesn't really, he's just like, I, I, yeah, they're very like stubborn and I, and it's, it's a fun, like little obstacle for. Yeah. This is, I think, we're we're sort of like chewing very satisfy satisfactorily on the details of this episode. Oh yeah, but I think on the whole, to sort of take a step back and look at it, this is an episode that is narratively really well constructed. Mm-hmm. It, it's a fun little mystery episode. Yeah, and it it does a great job of giving a lot of characters some uh, a, a a little bit of spotlight time to show off what they're about tons of characters get a moment where you get a view of them uhura gets a lot of screen time but also like spock and pike obviously but also smaller characters like ortegas gets ortegas Ortegas. gets like a very cool thing where where it's like okay (laughs) we need to shake the these guys like and and pike's like i know you wanted to be like i knew you said you were going to be the best pilot of the academy and she's like you heard about that he's like word gets around he's just like cool and he's like okay i want you to like you know pull whatever he has and she's like all right initiating maneuver ortegas one and and everybody's just like (laughs) The look he gives her where he like turns because he's like leaning over her shoulder and he like turns and looks at looks at her and she just kind of doesn't look at him. But you can see her eyes like, is he looking at me? He's looking at me. Is he looking at me? (laughs) So good. So, Justin, I know I know you are pilot trash, right? Yes. I really want to like congratulate this era of Star Trek on giving me like a pair of cool pilot ladies with neat haircuts. Yeah, because I was gonna say, like, I don't, I don't know whether I want to see Detmer and Ortegas like face off as pilots, or whether I want to see them kiss more. Yes, <laughs> um, because I, want I, both. I like, I have this like head that they were in the academy together and were like, you know, head to head. No, I'm gonna be the best. No, I'm gonna be the best. But, I yeah, honestly, you know. I, I'm all in on that. That 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 is, I I accept that. But I I also like that we get um, some smaller moments from other people as well. Like Sam Kirk is <laughs> an idiot, but also he, he very is sweet an idiot. He's to a Uhura. Smart idiot. He's very like like Uhura's like, why am I here? And he's like, well, you're the linguist, so let's li- so linguist it up, linguist. Uh, and then he goes and touches the giant glowing artifact and gets blown halfway across the chamber like I a hope, big, thick idiot. I hope that we just keep seeing him get absolutely wasted by alien shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, want him, want- I want him to just be the Keddy of, like, Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Is this the time yeah. that kills him? Nope. And then we also get to see one thing I really enjoyed was seeing after the first episode where we get a lot of time sort of, like, from Lon's point of view. 
this episode, we get the other side of that. We get to see her from the outside where she's fucking terrifying, where she's like, Mm -hmm. well, guess we're going to die. Cool. Yeah, there's like a weird gal. There's like a weird gallows humor to her, which I absolutely love. Oh, see, I don't even think it's gallows humor. I think it's absolutely like this. Like, I am the security chief. My job is to die for the Federation. I am here for it. Fuck yeah. Like, I think it's just being that bloody minded and like dedicated. And I I love it. I think it's great. I, I that's what one thing I think this episode is so successful. I think it's a an incredibly good second episode because you get so many different characters get a moment to really like sharpen their care their their characterization in a really nice little way and and also more broadly i think it serves well to kind of put some of pike's insecurities about his future to rest yeah i'm sure that that will come up here and there throughout the rest of the season but it seems like you know the the plot in this very much revolves around like predestination and like, mm-hmm. you know, was the, you know, the, the thing where the comic, the comet like knew that they were going to intervene yeah. or something question mark, question mark. It's a mystery. And we have the question of like, you know, is Pike's fate sealed? Like we as viewers know that it's sealed because yeah. Um, yeah. we see, we know the future, but like it's, you know, it seems like a nice way to kind of tie that up for now and be like, okay, he's not going to be like, he has accepted his fate, you know, for the sake of the people who he's going to save. And we're going to let this rest and not have him be neurotic about it in every episode. Yeah. I like that. He he sees the comets sort of prevision of the actions they would take as a mirror of the actions he is choosing to take in the future and the knowledge that, he will make a choice in the future to save them. It's not that his fate is written for him. It's that he knows there's going to be a choice in the future and he knows the consequences of that choice. And he can't, he knows who he is. He knows the kind of man he is and he knows he can't make another choice. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that he's doomed. It means that he's the kind of, you know, it, it just means that he is who he is and he understands the consequences of that choice. Yeah. I, I just think it's great. Great episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, some fun trivia. Um, this is the first appearance of a sh- of the shuttlecraft Galileo, um, <laughs> which is the first shuttlecraft that was ever on Star Trek. Nice. Um, yep. Which was the, the Galileo 7, which... Well, we'll all have a moment of silence for the crew of the Galileo 7. Rip. Lol. I don't know why that's noteworthy. I still need to get around to watching the original series. Yeah. So um, in... in Pod, like Babylon Project continuity, um, the director of this episode, uh, Maya Vervilo, um, will has directed an episode of Person of Interest that we have yet to cover. Interesting. Which one? Is is this a predestination paradox, Justin? Possibly, but I I choose not to think about it. I'm too gay for time travel. <laughs> the Shot Seeker episode. The what? With the um, oh, shot seeker. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah which I just <laughs> find perf- very funny. Nobody's it's perfect. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a like I Perfectly remember that fine. episode, which is which is like that. That's you know, it's for for a non arc episode. For me to remember a specific person of interest episode is usually memorable. That's usually a good sign. Yeah. 
I don't know. Y'all, y'all got anything else you want to talk about for this one? I think the the only thing for me would be that the the whole thing with the comet. While I was watching it, it reminded me. Oh, while I was rewatching it in particular, it reminded me of the like story of you know the the guy who's waiting for a rescue and you know refuses refuses rescue attempts by humans being like no 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 god will save me and then <laughs> you know dies and then god's like what the fuck and he's like i thought you would save me and, he, and god's like i sent people to rescue you um like the whole thing with pike and the the shepherds sort of had had a vibe of that to me yeah yeah I which i enjoyed you. all right well I think that's all we have for this one. Join us next time. We'll be covering episode three, Ghosts of Illyria. Until next time, hit it. Strange New Pods is a limited run series by the Babylon Project, a member of the OKSO Network. All views expressed are our own. Music credits can be found in the show notes. Wear your life gloriously.